guys. Welcome to Broke Teachers Travel Podcast. I'm Marnie. And I'm Jeff. And today we are going on an adventure. We are going to follow along with Jeff's trip that he took to Turkey. And I think we've got some great information for you guys. Believe it or not, Turkey's actually pretty affordable. It, it actually is. Um, it was actually one of the best trips I've ever went on for a number of reasons. Yeah. I mean, well, it's affordable as in when you get there, things are super affordable. Getting there's probably the biggest expense, wouldn't you think? Well, you know, absolutely. But just like anything else, you know, one of the things that I did this, um, I'd been planning this trip for quite a while and I'd been tri- planning it with uh, one of my former next door neighbors who happened to be from Turkey. And we talked about going for about six or seven years. And finally, I decided to go. Unfortunately, I decided to go in July and their <laughs> weather is just like ours in Florida. It was you know, a lot of the trip was 88 to 95 degrees. Um, but to answer your question about the affordability, it's the the price of the ticket was a little pricey, but it was summer, it was high season, it was tourist season. And, you know, looking at uh, prices from, uh, say, Atlanta to Istanbul, mm-hmm. um, at any other time of the year, it is a lot cheaper. So it is definitely more affordable than the route right you but i mean we're working around teacher right. schedule too right. so we have to go when we can and so that's why uh, when we go it's going to be sometime either over the winter break or spring break because those those tickets are about 500 dollars cheaper during that period of time that's a significant difference oh, yeah. yeah yeah what would you say are some of the must-dos for istanbul i mean everything in istanbul is amazing it's just the people the culture um I knew it was going to be cool, but I had no idea just how cool it was going to be. Um, I'll just kind of go through some of the the, the first couple of days I was there. Maybe yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you were constantly FaceTiming me and sending me pictures and videos just saying this, this is so much more amazing than I thought it could ever be. Well, you know, one of the first things that we did is uh, my friend Nick, we got to Istanbul and we checked in the hotel and he said, well... Let's go to the Galata Tower. And I'm like, okay, so I know nothing about this. You know, I'd, I'd heard of it. I'd seen it, read about it in a book. But, um, you know, so so we go, we take the, the boat over to um, the European side of, um, of Istanbul, which is just crazy to say. Um, and so he says there's a Galata Tower. What he didn't tell me was how much walking <laughs> and how much uphill and how it was 92 degrees. And so I was like, dang, Nick, he says, well, you're the guy that wanted to come in the summer. And I'm like, yeah. So and when, when planning that, make sure you know the climate. And uh, yeah, maybe, maybe choose some cooler months right, to visit. Right. And I mean, and, and I could deal with it because I was from Florida. But a lot We're of people, a lot of people may may find that uncomfortable. But, um, you know, so the Galata Tower, um, without getting into a history lesson, um, it's, you know, this fortified tower was uh, built, destroyed, built, destroyed um, the uh nation of Genoa in Italy, a very powerful um, place during the Renaissance. They rebuilt the current tower. And um, and one of the coolest things about that place is there is a panoramic view. You could go to the very top um, and look around and see, you know, all of Istanbul. You can see all the big mosques. You can see just so much of the city there. And so it's one of the best views, if not the best one that I experienced while in Istanbul. Yeah. And here's a couple of videos for you to watch on the Galata Tower. Hey guys, this is uh, Jeff, Broke Teacher Travel, um, in the city of Istanbul, looking out onto the uh, Sea of Mara Mara, and 
um, back there is the Hagia Sophia. I don't know if we can see it here. The Blue Moss. And, um, the palace is right there. So today we're going to be going to Galata, um, climbing the Galata Towers, but hanging out here in Istanbul, and it is just beautiful here. It's amazing. Everywhere there's history. And I'm here in Galata in um, Istanbul, Turkey. Galata Tower was established, uh, this area was established by Justinian, uh, the Emperor Roman, um, Emperor Justinian back in the day. Um, in 1204, the Christians, when they sat Constantinople, tore it down. Uh, the people of Genoa built this tower. Um, and then finally in 1453, when the uh, Turks captured Constantinople uh, for the final time, they kicked out the Genoese and um, established this as a watchtower themselves. This is from Galata Tower, a panoramic view of Istanbul. Um, what would you say was your favorite thing about being able to go from Europe to Asia? I mean, that to me was, that just seems so cool. Well, it, it really was. Um, you know, you, whenever you stay there, if you stay on the Asian side, everything's a little bit cheaper. The European side, which is much smaller part portion of Turkey is on the European side. Um, but it's, you know, you, you look out and you hear I'm in Europe and there I'm in Asia and you could cross the bridge from, from Europe to Asia, or you could, um, take the ferry across and uh, I know we're going to be talking in one of the videos about how expensive the ferry is to go from uh from the European side to the Asian side and back and forth but yeah I just concluded and found out and confirmed the price to get from one side of the Bosporus to the other side so that's in Istanbul is roughly 87. Something else when you called me and you were FaceTiming with me and you were showing me the bazaar. That was amazing to me. Just the absolute size of it. Right. It was huge. And the bazaar that we're going to be featuring in this is not the Grand Bazaar. Okay. Oh, I did not realize that. No, no. This, 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 this is a different bazaar. It is massive in comparison to anything that I've ever seen. But the Grand Bazaar, which we'll talk about in episode three, maybe. Um, it is so much bigger. But... If you just see this one, you don't know there's anything bigger, and this one is big, <laughs> amazing. Um, one of the cool things I was thinking about how much um, you know my stepdad would have loved this because every place you go, they're uh, trying to sell you something, but so they're giving you uh, Turkish coffee, Turkish tea, they're giving you Turkish delights, any kind of food. So if you're one of those people that like to go to Sam's for the free sample, <laughs> man, you're gonna have a field day oh, there. <laughs> oh my gosh, it is an amazing deal. I am in the sea bazaar on Istanbul. If you hear this stuff on the loudspeaker, it is a call to prayer, and as you can see, no one is really calling to prayer. Yes, that, that just sounds so awesome to me, to be a part of that culture and really experience the everyday life right. of Istanbul. Right. I think that's just so awesome. You know, to put it in perspective, it's, it's a city of 16 million people, 
And yet, when you get into the individual little neighborhoods, it's just like being in a little rural community. Kind of like New York City, where yeah. it's broken down into the little neighborhoods. Right. Yeah, yeah. Now, you actually ran across something that is near and dear to my heart, because my family were beekeepers. You found a honey shop. Yeah, um, yeah. there's so many things. Like I said, so many surprises. Um, there is a lot of honey that is produced in Turkey. And so they have these entire shops, and I'm talking about like not one or two, but, you know, huge. um, Beautiful. Yeah, beautiful um, honey shops. And so you go in there and they, you, um, you know, you buy honey in the jars, you buy, you know, beekeeping equipment, all of these things. products that are made. And, And one of the interesting things there is the honey that they serve you and breakfast at any place that I ate. It actually has the honeycomb in it, so that it's Which not is the best way to eat honey. <laughs> and and so that was really cool. Um, what what I learned over there was that um, this particular type of honey was the the favorite honey of Queen Elizabeth II. Really? Yeah. That's really neat. That's something kind of special to find out. Right. You know that it's it's that well thought of. Right. You know among royalty. Right. That's pretty impressive. It was really cool. Now, something else that you did, you found a way to cool off. Oh, I did. Um, and I didn't know it. I, <laughs> I, I really didn't know uh, this existed. But um, so it was 92, 93 degrees um, in Istanbul. And and then I was reading about these cisterns, this big place where they used to keep water back in the day. And um, my friend said, yeah, we'll go there. And honestly, it was probably one of the most expensive uh, things that I I ended up doing uh, it was really? pro- yeah it was probably like ten or eleven dollars, um, but it was ninety two degrees and I knew it was going to be cooler under there. It's worth the ten or eleven dollars uh, when it's uh, hot like that. And uh, so basically, we go in this this cistern which was used. Um, it was built back in antiquity to hold water from the time of, of the Emperor Constantine through uh, the sultans, all of those things. And the one thing was that they always needed this water supply, so no one messed with it. It wasn't destroyed. It wasn't about a religious occupation. It was a a need and yet when you go in there it is surreal that when you see the architecture there that is you know Corinth it's, it, it, it's just amazing it's it's you know it's it's very dark in there because it's underground but they have these these cool lights and um the cistern's not full so you know it's you know there's like um catwalks that you could walk over but um there's several movies that have been filmed in this area really yep. and i can't remember off the top of my head off i'll try to think of them later um, that were filmed in there, but you know, the, at first I thought, man, there's probably 50 or 60 columns. And then I started counting. I'm like, man, there's over a hundred columns. And I kept counting and I think there's over 300 columns wow. in there. And they are massive they, they, and just absolutely gorgeous. And, and it was so cool because literally it was cool. cool. Because <laughs> it was, uh, it was 20 degrees cooler under there. And if you put your hand on the column, there's actually water. There's, you know, it's just a amazing deal. And, and to me, when I travel, to find things that cool that you weren't expecting and, you know, underground yes. in the middle, the, the, that really brings a lot of joy. to me. Hey guys, it's Jeff with Bird Teacher Travel. Uh, I'm taking a release from the 88 degree weather outside in Istanbul and I am about 50, 55 feet underground at a cistern. 
and you can see these amazing Roman columns. Um, this was built under the Emperor Justinian, and basically this cistern was used to have uh, the fresh water supply here in uh, Constantinople. But again, um, this is just amazing if you look at this architecture. Um, it is probably 20 degrees cooler than it is up on the um, the surface up there. So maybe I might just chill out and hang in here for a little while. To quote Bob Ross, the happy little accidents. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly it, it's, what it is. You just happen upon them. And I love things like that. That's why I love the independent travel where you can wander and really get to know the area. I love that. Now, something else that you told me about that I found to be pretty, pretty cool was that the Sultan at one point had his own private mosque. Yep, the Sultan had his mosque. Um, it absolutely had, he had that. Um, we're going to talk a little bit later about one of the Sultan's palaces, but yeah, they have their their own mosque. So you had uh, the Hagia Sophia and you have the Blue Mosque, which we'll talk about in other videos, but the Sultan has his very own mosque to keep, you know, kind of everybody out and let him just worship privately, which was a really interesting. Uh, right behind me, this is a mosque. It's not a one of the, the biggest ones, but this was actually the Sultan's private mosque where he did prayers. Yeah, and the the worshiping there is much different than people think. It is not as strict or, I guess, people are drifting away from some of the more traditional ways well, of Well, one now. of the, the things, the way my friend Nick explained it to me is that um, that Turkey, and if I start looking up, it is a secular country. And, yes, and so, yes, it um, is. And, and yet that, you know, people, it's just like here, they're religious, but they're not forced to be religious. Right, right. And, and many other countries, they, they do have the... Um, it's predominantly Muslim is the major religion. Islam is a major religious religion there, and they do have uh, the call to prayer five times a day. But with the exception on the holy days, I, I didn't see anybody praying. <laughs> and so, um, modern times, right. I think, has changed a lot of that. And so, I think maybe the older people hold more of the right. traditions, kind right. of kind of like everywhere. Right. You know, it's just the way things have changed. And among it, the you know among the people and the generations right and you know and, and when you think about um after world war one and the demise of the ottoman empire and turkey becomes you know their country the the founder of uh, turkey um camille ataturk he was very adamant that they needed some separation of church and state very similar to us and mm -hmm. that um and he was very instrumental in bringing you know everything and modernizing that country and uh, um We'll probably do an entire video at some point just on him. Just on it, him, I mean, yeah. Now, something else you were telling me about was the obelisk. Okay. So that that's a really interesting story. Well, there there are a lot of there's so many cool things around the world and you know, I'm not gonna get into judgment calls on, you know, who ripped off what from which country, okay? Because if we did that it's there's we'll just tell you where they're located. <laughs> right, right. There, there, there there's debates and going on right now uh, all over the world about returning what artifacts or whatever. But um, an obelisk is a, it's Cleopatra's needle. They're big pointy items that were taken from Egypt. So in the middle of Istanbul, there is this huge obelisk and um, it's just really the top part of it. It's not as um, part of it was broken off years before, but um, it was actually used as to let chariot racers in what was called the Hippodrome know when the turn was coming up. 
and it was taken from the Temple of Karnak um, in Egypt. So later on, when I go to Egypt, mm-hmm. you know, I will find where these where these obelisks used to be. Yes. But I didn't realize this, but I'd already seen one of the two obelisks because its sister obelisk is in St. Peter's uh, Square, Square in Rome, yes. and it was used as kind of the center point of the Circus Maximus. So it was really interesting that the ancient Romans took these Egyptian um, artifacts and used them in their horse racing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who who would think to do that, you know? And, and you know, those, those obelisks, and that one's really cool, but there's also one um, in Paris. There are more Egyptian obelisks outside of Egypt today, museums and, and major cities that used to... Um, you know, there used to be major cities in the Roman Empire that have these obelisks. And so you could go to one country and find a huge piece of culture from another country. Yeah, and I, I love that, where you see the world, the different parts start to overlap. Right. I, I love that, right. you know. When I'm in Istanbul, Turkey, and this is, behind me, is the obelisk of Theodosius. Um, we talk about obelisks all the time. They're really cool ones. Uh, most of them were taken from Egypt. So this one was actually created um, about 1700 BC by the Pharaoh Tutmosis III. And this was to commemorate his major victory over a group of people called the Mitanni, who we'll talk about a little later on. Um, This was eventually brought by Theodosius to, um, it was called Constantinople back then. And it was one of the points in his Hippodrome. So Hippodrome is a big horse racing track. Um, This obelisk was taken from the temple at Karnak and um, Egypt and so next year or later this year when I go to Egypt I will show you where it was taken from there was another obelisk about this size taken um, from Karnak and it is in Rome and it was um, one of the points in the Circus Maximus but if you go to Rome today and you go to St. Peter's you see a big obelisk out it was the obelisk that was taken from Karnak the same time that this one was taken by um, Emperor Theodosius. And another one that you told me about, another monument that you saw, you mentioned something about a serpent oh, monument. Oh, yeah. This was so cool because I didn't know anything about this and what it was. And, you know, I think I know a lot of history. But when you go places, you realize, like Socrates says, the one thing I know is that I know nothing. Um, and and so there was a monument there and it was kind of coiled up and it was actually missing the head. And I was like, well, what, what's going on here? And I learned that this was a monument um, that was in the shape of a serpent, which was brought from the Temple of Delphi in Greece, the patron um, of, of Apollo. And I've been there a couple of times. And next time I go, I'll know, hey, where did it actually come from yeah. here? Because um, I didn't know that before. But it was a commemorative um, monument that was made by the Greeks after the final defeat of the Persians at the Battle of Plataea. So you guys, if you've seen the movie 300, um, that was... The Battle of Thermopylae before that, the Battle of Plataea was where they finally won and kicked all the, the Persians out. But um, so it was just a monument there, which was so cool. I didn't know anything about it, but that connection really, really made me smile. Yeah. Hey guys, this is Jeff with Broke Teachers Travel. Um, behind me is the monument called the Serpent Monument or uh, Memorial. And basically this was taken from the Temple of Delphi in um, you know, Delphi, Greece or Delphi, Greece. This originally had a serpent's head on it, which that is actually the serpent's head is actually located in the archaeological museum here in Istanbul. But this was taken from the Temple of Delphi in Greece. But originally it was to commemorate the victory of the Greeks over the uh, Persians at the Battle of Plataea. So sometimes it's called the Plataea Memorial or Monument. 
but um, this was brought in uh, to uh, Constantinople slash Istanbul in the year 324 when Constantine made this his empire. So he brought that over from um, Delphi, Greece at that point. Okay, guys. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. And we're going to have more of these on Turkey. Don't don't forget about that. We're going to do more episodes on Turkey and follow Jeff's journey through through the country. It's going to be very, very interesting and fun. Um, but that's going to do it for today. Thanks for following along. Remember, hit that like and subscribe button and follow us on socials. And thanks for being a part of our conversation and always being there and subscribing to our channel. And remember, break the monotony. Not the bait. Bye, guys. If you have any questions, <laughs> leave yeah. them in the comments. Take care.